Denise Lemieux. The center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux. And welcome to another episode of Talkin' Hockey, the Hockey Talkin' Show. Co-host Tom here with you for Season 3, Episode 27. An episode we're calling The Hextall, as in Ronnie Hextall. Possibly uh, Manitoba's greatest goalie export. Uh, I am here with with, uh, co-host Randy, as always. Kind of got my words all jumbled up there, but uh, co-host Randy... Uh, looks like the goalie didn't show up today and they're putting you in net. How you doing down there? Oh, geez. Well, first of all, I think maybe Eddie Belfour might have something to say about the old goalie uh, from he Manitoba, might. but you know, uh, Hextall is, is a legend himself. Um, so is Belfour. But yeah, me, I mean, we've got, a- yeah, there's quite a few, um, but me and net, uh, that could be rough. You know, I would say, I was legendary as a road hockey goalie over in the streets of Stonewall. Uh, mm-hmm. Epic glove saves, two pad stacks, getting caught out of position, making miraculous saves nonstop, winning championships. Uh, now, probably not so much. <laughs> <laughs> did you, what kind of road hockey pads did you have? I actually had legit goal pads. Oh, like, yeah. like I remember buying them like from a whatever, buy and sell or some used thing. Some someone in Stonewall was selling their pads, and they were just like <clears throat> actual goalie pads, but small. So yeah. they worked. They worked. They got shredded, obviously, in the summer. Were they kind uh, of those like brown leather ones? They were brown, but they weren't leather. I, I you know what? I could find a picture and we'll put it on the Instagram. <laughs> Sounds um, good. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but then I had like the road hockey blocker and catcher, and like yeah. I took that. I took it very seriously. Like I put a, te- <laughs> I put a tennis ball in the catcher. I put it, I put the couch like, you know, on top of it. So like the oh, yeah. catcher fitted, like fit around the tennis ball <laughs> and actually uh, like, it's a weird thing. And it's just the way that I learned, but in baseball, I catch left and throw right. But in hockey as a goalie, I catch right. And I, I put my stick oh. in my left hand. No way. It's oh, just it's it just the way that I learned. But um oh. so if I'm making a glove save, I'm like uh Hutchinson and Yeah, uh, you're you're Michael Hutchinson over yeah, here. Yeah. Um there's a few other guys that are that way. Um yeah. but not so much. Um but yeah, no, uh, you know, I always liked uh, you know, I'm not gonna brag or anything, but some of my friends, um, you know, I was maybe a little bit better than them at hockey. So then uh instead of, you know, dangling them uh, you know playing out i would go in net just for fun yeah. and you know you know take take the odd one off the nuts or off the face or, <laughs> or that if it's cold enough and you got playing with those orange balls there and when you take one off the inner thigh or something yeah. that'll that'll we, sting for a while we use tennis balls quite a bit um yeah but well, also, if it's cold enough and the tennis ball yeah, frozen <laughs> it hurts uh but you know the streets would be like uh snow packed 
and almost like ice, but it made made like it was awesome for playing road hockey. Oh, yeah. Like you're sliding around and yeah. you could yeah, it was awesome. Like, you know, the street clearing and stone stonewall was like you know, it didn't exist. So this, <laughs> the snow just got packed down and it was like a, almost like a rink that was perfect. Like, you know, with your boots or whatever yeah. Good times. How nice. about you? Did you ever go in net? Yeah. I played some street hockey goalie. I never really played ice hockey goalie. I think maybe in novice when everybody took a turn, I, I took a spin and uh, I liked putting the gear on, but the actual like playing goalie, I wasn't really into and a novice, I mean, it's a lot of just standing around, I think, right? And it was like, I'd rather skate. But uh, yeah, though, like, I also have a little brother, so I put him in net uh, <laughs> playing street hockey a lot. So <laughs> Te- Teeing them up from the, from the hash marks? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, right? So, uh, but yeah, we, we had some sweet um, Cooper road hockey pads that were kind of like white. And maybe air filled or something, and they were rubber. Oh, yeah. They were like a hard rubber. Yeah, and they were pretty awesome. They looked like you know, like real goalie pads. But uh, yeah, they were, you know, um, they they were great for the old two pad stack for sure. So here, anyway, I'll send, I'll send you a picture of my goal, okay. goal pads here in the WhatsApp. But first of all, yeah. tell the folks why are we talking about goalies right now? Yeah, exactly. So I was. Yeah, you read my mind. So this episode, episode 27, The Hextall, we've got a guest coming up later later in the show. Uh, his name's Dustin Smith, known on social media as Dembones. Uh, or is it just Dembones or is it Dembones Dembones? Well, I think this is it's... stuff I should probably clarify with the intern before I go and say it on air. But <laughs> I, I think um, it's Bones. Oh, okay. I th- yeah, but I think Dem Bones is just his Instagram handle, but I okay. think his nickname is Bones. So Dustin okay, okay. Smith, Dustin Bones, Bones Smith, Smith. Okay. from Nashville, Tennessee. Right, and he's an emergency backup goalie or e-bug, as it were, um, for the Preds uh, or whatever team is you know coming through Nashville. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a really cool gig, and we... Uh, are lucky enough to get a really good chat in with him and we're talking all things goalies. So before we get to that interview, we're just going to chit chat goalie stuff. Kind of, we've had a goalie episode in the past going back to season one or two, even probably we had, I would guess uh, two. I would guess two. Yeah. Local, local goaltending legend, Pip Skid, Pat Skeen was uh, a guest on our show. Um, and yeah, so we're we're gonna kind of talk goalie stuff again here. So a little bit about Ronnie Hextall to to kind of get us off uh, off the hop here, um, goalie wise. Ron, of course, we're number twenty seven for you know the Philadelphia Flyers from eighty six to ninety nine. He was a, a staple there. Then of course he went to uh, the Quebec Nordiques. And he wore 27 there and he finished her off with the New York Islanders. Um, no, sorry. He didn't finish off with the Islanders. He went back to Philly, finished off in Philly, but um, he wore 72 with the Islanders. Cause they would have had, I don't know who would have wore 27 there. Brian but. Burrard maybe seems like he was, a, no, no, he's number four, I think. But yeah, somebody must have, but that's, that's, that's bold though, to have Ron Hextall come to your team and be like, no, I'm, I'm sticking with 27. 
we've all seen what Hextall can do when he gets mad. So (laughs) that's a reference, of course, to the legendary Chris Chelios bashing in, I'm going to guess, like 80, like late 80s, 89 or so, right? Uh, When, what, what? Well, hold on, hold on. Um, yeah, it, Ron Hexall probably had to wear number 72 because it's 27 is retired for a guy that you're going to mention here in a few minutes, I believe. Really? Yes. But keep going. Uh, Ron Hexall okay. with a slash. Okay. Yeah. Well, or, or so, the blocker too. Right. Yeah. So Chelios had uh, gotten under his skin. I think it was a playoff series between the Flyers and Habs. Correct. And yeah. um, yeah, the, Shelly was in the corner, I believe, and Hextall just like left his net in the middle of the play. Like it wasn't a whistle, I don't believe. He went for it, yeah. Yeah, and he just went for it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, blocked him. What was the like result of that? Like, did he get suspended? Um, like, did I? I he must have well, got. I, I don't know if he got suspended because, like, I'm, I believe that was the year that Philly faced. Edmonton in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, so that'd be '88, I believe. Then, and um, so obviously Hextall kept playing, but um, if you haven't seen the play, you have to watch the clip because he basically just beelines right for Chelios, right in the corner. Mm. Like it's like there's no one else in the building, just him and <laughs> and, and Chris Chelios. Like you know, um, you know, had it coming, I guess. He must have, you know, <laughs> but. Um, you know, Ron Hextall so much more than that infamous play where he uh, gave it to Chelios. He so Hextall, of course, was the first goalie to ever score a goal like off his own stick by shooting it into the opponent's empty net. And he um, he did it a couple times, didn't he? I think uh, he had three goals. And I guess you could probably say Hextall was like, is he is he like the first or one of the first, one of the best? puck handling goalies Must, like yeah you know like and probably like if you think back um you know now the nhl has that trapezoid area where the goalie can only play the yep. puck and like, they can't play the puck in the corners anymore like that rule was put in place to because of guys like him because they were so good at playing the puck and they could basically become like a third defenseman back there yeah, totally. Him and and I think Broder was another guy who like they kind of made that trapezoid because of him yeah. in a way too. <laughs> and then New Jersey would just like, yeah, they, they that's how they won a couple cups basically, sort of trapping you to death. And uh, Marty Broder doing his thing, but this isn't about Marty Broder. This is Ron Hextall. So Ron hails from Brandon, Manitoba, and he comes from a real hockey family. His dad, uh, Brian. I believe is his dad. I believe uh, so. Yeah. He, yeah. He played for Pittsburgh for like a good long while. Um, his uncle Dennis played in the NHL for, uh, I think, uh, who did Dennis Hextall play for? Um, I want to say, oh, okay. I uh, Minnesota, Detroit, Washington. He, he hopped around quite a bit. Oh, he had a stint with the California Golden Seals. But anyway, this isn't Dennis Hextall hour. This is <laughs> Ron Hextall. But um, yeah, he was he played for our favorite SJHL team, the Melville Millionaires, in uh, back in 1980 or so. Yeah. And um, 
I don't know, really. Like uh, he, nowadays, here's what Ron Hextall is doing. He's he's managing the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, the longtime rivals of his club that he played for, the Philadelphia Flyers, but the club that his dad played for. So I guess it's kind of like balances out. I got one last thing to add here. So while we were researching this episode for like three weeks, uh, we, mm-hmm. we, we go hard here on the research oh, team here talking about very uh, hard. like we've been prepping, prepping this for months, actually. Um, Hextall's first international recognition came when he was part of team Canada's squad for the 87 Canada cup. So that classic yeah. year, you know, uh, Gretzky Lemieux scores, they beat Russia. So <laughs> during a practice session, he chopped Sylvain Turgeon's arm with his stick during a scrimmage, claiming that the left wing was too close to the goal. Turgeon missed the tournament with a fractured arm <laughs> in practice. Hextall <laughs> uh, was a backup. Up, Pierre? No, Sylvain. Sylvain Turgeon. Hextall yeah. was a backup, backup to Grant Fear and did not play a single game. Well, probably <laughs> because Fear was really good, but maybe it's kind of like, Okay, Ronnie, sit at the end of the bench there. You were down a man because of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sylvain Turgeon was good. Um, but that's a good goaltending duo, Fuhr and Hextall. You got to like their odds there. And they would have faced mean, each hey, other in the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, I guess. Like the next let, year. Or yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, um, he won the Vezina the first year of his, uh, you know, NHL career, which is pretty cool. Um, and he, he's, he's one of the only guys, I think he won the con Smythe for the losing team. He's one yeah. of the only guys to have done that. Um, him, J.S. Jaguar, Reggie Leach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, they have Ron Hextall. Pretty cool. Like, let me just give you a quick list then of some other guys who wore 27. Cause, uh, yeah. Researching this episode, I discovered that number 27 is a pretty, Pretty great number. A lot of solid dudes rocking it. You got the big M, Frank Mahovlich. Um, if I'm not mistaken, so there was a, a hockey exhibit that came to the Manitoba Museum a couple of years ago, and I went to see it. It was really good. They had a letter written from the Toronto GM. I'm pretty sure this was to Frank Mahovlich from the GM who's like, man, the name escapes me, but he's like, you know, a legendary hockey name of like the fifties or whatever. And uh, he wrote this letter saying that he's going to dock his paycheck because they trashed the hotel room in whatever city they were in. So <laughs> I like that. I was like, oh, nice. Uh, just yeah, throw the TV at the window. Why not? <laughs> um, so the boys had a few brews. Let's yeah, know. exactly. But yeah, no, Frank, Frank Mahovlich, he played a long time because he played 18 years in the NHL. He also played four years in uh, the WHA. And yeah, so like over like 13, 1400 games kind of thing. And, you know, point of game guy, more or less. Um, another 27, Jeremy Roenick. Of course, he also wore 97, but uh, for Chicago in the first chunk of his career, he was known as a as a 27 for sure. I think if you're playing NHL 94, Guaranteed. Ronick, uh, yeah. he's 27. Um, Glenn Murray from Bridgewater, Nova Scotia. 
check hockey db they'll list him as halifax but every every good nova scotia boy knows glenn moose murray is from bridgewater and he played for boston la uh pittsburgh um and you know he could put the puck in that he was a power forward big guy um shane corson he's a guy he was actually when i thought of the number 27 probably the first guy i thought of he played for montreal and toronto and uh couple other stops along the way, St. Louis, Edmonton, that kind of thing. But, you know, he wore some different numbers, but for Montreal, very well known as a number 27. Same thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, number 27. Um, and uh, one, who you, else? You're we missing got? one. Yeah, we got Niedermeyer, Scott Niedermeyer. Yeah, you got to say the guy, though, that that's the reason why Hextall wasn't 27. I don't know for- who this is, Semenko, Carl no. Alsner. Tepo Newmanen? You said him on the the pre-show. You said him. Did I? Yeah, John Tonelli. Tonelli. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. That's that's why Hextall had to wear number 72. All right. Well, what do we know about John Tonelli? He was part of those uh, New York Islander Cup teams in the 80s, Dynasty. That's a dynasty if I've ever heard one. Um, So, yeah, like he's kind of... I mean, he, yeah, so he played for the Islanders 79 through 86. And then, you know, a few years in Calgary, a few years in L.A. And that was that for old Tonelli. But, yeah, for the Islanders, yeah, it looks like to me, checking out his stats, because he's a guy like, I think I remember his hockey cards, but I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't, I can't say as I know too much about him. He's more of a supporting just, cast player. Yeah. But because but he was part God, of some big, big teams, he... Uh, he Good looking dude. Now that I'm looking uh, at him here and I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. No, I am totally remembering his hockey cards now for the New York Islanders. Cause stuff. he also yeah. played for the Kings. I believe after that. Yeah, he yeah. did. And I remember an LA Kings Opeachy card might have airbrushing on it. Um, black, I don't have to check like the old with the black jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have the card. So one last number 27, but this is just a novelty one because I just wanted to say this guy because he also is famous for wearing a different number. So Wilf Paymont, uh, he played for uh, Toronto a lot. Uh, and, you know, it was in Toronto that he wore 27. However, it was also in Toronto that he famously wore the number 99. <laughs> He was like the only other guy in the league to. Oh, well, no. Uh, Rick Dudley also wore 99. Dudley, right. Yeah. yeah. So the yeah. Dudley and Wolf Paymont are the yeah. only two other guys who wore 99. I don't know, like, how, like, why did he, uh, <laughs> you know. There might have been like one jersey in the poll arena. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, it was so Wolf wore 99 for Toronto in 80, 81, and 82 which that's like the first couple years of Gretzky's career. So obviously when Gretzky starts getting like 200 points a season there, Wolf's like, yeah, maybe I'll change the number. Wolf is like that Homer Simpson gif where he's like backs into the bush. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Actually, and you don't hear a lot of people named Wolf these days. No, not too many Wolfs out there. No. Let's Actually, bring it back. Nikolai Ehlers, too, is number 27. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, possibly Winnipeg Jets' best forward this 
recent playoff. I'd say uh, so. Up there, yeah, anyway. He's got to be in the, in the consideration. And did, you say, did you say Teppo Newman? If not, I did say Teppo Newman okay. very quickly and briefly. Okay. Um, so we got to get Teppo in here. Got to respect. Yeah. And, and, I, and I also mentioned Carl Alsner uh, kind of jokingly, but pre show we were talking about, yeah, Carl Alsner, uh, according to NHL insider Elliot Friedman, uh, Alsner has been working out. He wants another shot. He, he, he says, He's if a team's looking for a guy with a chip on his shoulder, he's their guy. And he's been, you know, working on his skating and skills and all that kind of stuff and training with a group of pros out. And I think he's in BC or wherever he is. And um, he's, he's ready to go. So uh, I was joking, but I'm not joking. I have a feeling Kevin Chevalier is going to offer him a contract. So, so actually now that you've seen young blood, I can totally make a joke and you're going to get it. Okay, so, nice. So Carl Alsner like totally did a Dean Youngblood like workout session in the barn and he's totally ready to go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um yeah, he's he he just needed a montage. Yeah. Basically. Like you uh, remember that like, he's got like the weight on the stick and he's like rolling it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh that was a good one. Yeah, and then his old man taught him how to fight, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, he's like, why didn't you tell me before? <laughs> yeah. like, You're too good, damn it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but speaking of which, we have a whole young blood episode in the near future. Sometimes that's true, yeah. But uh we got about five minutes left here, Tommy. We should talk about goalies today. Okay. So there's four goalies left in the I mean, obviously, uh four starting goalies, four teams left. <laughs> New York, they got uh Semyon Var- Varlamov. And you know what? That uh Ilya Sorokin. He's no slouch. Um, he had to come in for the Islanders briefly during the game against Tampa when when Varlamov got bonked by Braden Point, I think it was. And yeah. um, but then he came back, so I don't know if he had a concussion. But anyway, and then of course um, on the other end is uh, Vasilevsky there for Tampa, uh, probably this year's Vezina winner. Like I mean, he's he's top of the top of the charts that guy like and he always is yeah yeah he's so good and um you know i heard an interesting stat actually again from nhl insider elliot friedman i just <laughs> right before this i read the uh, 31 thoughts you um, you and friedman had a zoom together yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but so so uh vasilevsky is like top of the league in like um high danger chance uh saves and stuff like that like like quote unquote hard to make saves However, he's very middle of the pack or low on um, shots that, uh, quote unquote, should be saved. So like Ryan Pollock, um, yeah, that blast good Manitoba that boy, game one, slap shot, and Vasilevsky just like whiffed on it or whatever. Um, so shots like that that, you know, are stoppable. He's kind of like... Uh, yeah, no one, in, as, no one in front, no screen. It was just yeah. a clean shot from the point. Yeah, so, and, and Pollock's got a good shot, but, you know, a, a goalie probably should save that, but um, easier said than done, I guess. And anyway, I just thought it was interesting, that stat, that, like, the high danger chances, he's so good, so hard to beat. You know, you always see him make those behind-the-back glove saves and whatever, and then, yeah, like a, a clean slapper from the point. That'll that'll beat him. And then in the other series, you got the timeless legend Marc Andre Fleury, um, who's uh, he just set some kind of 
NHL playoff record, I think, didn't he? He's fourth now in playoff wins, and I think he could catch. I feel like basically if the if the Vegas Golden Knights get to the Stanley Cup Finals, I think he goes into third place behind mm-hmm. uh, Broder and Patrick Waugh, I guess. I yeah. Would think. yeah. Oh, I know what the record was. It was 15 straight seasons of appearing in the playoffs, which no other goalie has uh, done, which is pretty cool, I guess, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, at the other end of the rink in that series is the Canadian goaltending legend, Carey Price. I mean, Carey and Marc-Andre Fleury, there's your Team Canada goalies since, like, yeah. <laughs> what, like 20, 2010 for sure, well, but, like... Luongo was in there. Oh, yeah, Luongo, that's right. Yeah. I like to call him Luongo. <laughs> Don Cherry. Yeah. Uh, no, but 2014, it would have been Fleury right. and uh, and Carey Price. Price. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just feels like those guys are, are mainstays, staples, legends of their own right. So it's quite the goaltending battles uh in the final four um do you do you think that like any team holds an edge in goaltending over the other or is it all pretty much a wash well yeah it's pretty close like um and like as the old saying goes is like you're only as good as your goalie in the playoffs and all all four teams have had great goaltending so far Mm. and it's like you have, have you know i guess that first game one with vegas and and um Montreal was a bit was a bit of a blowout, I guess you could call it four or five one or whatever it was. Four, four but, one, I believe. Yeah. For the most part, like all these games are pretty tight, um, and that just means you got good goaltending all around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said, it's like there's no there's no true favorite in a series because one team could be playing better, but then the other team's goalie could could do, do it. it and that's yeah. where we are right now with with these series and and in the stanley cup finals it's like i don't think there's any clear favorite right now like i think all four of these teams have a legit chance at the stanley cup because of their goalies yeah for sure 100 percent agree there and like right now with montreal and vegas the series is tied 1-1 as of recording this on thursday night and um you know, I think going into this series, everybody was heavily favoring Vegas. But, you know, after the victory Montreal pulled off there, they see, oh, yeah, I know, like, you know, you get the goaltending, you play a certain way. Vegas isn't some, like, infallible team. Like, they can be beat. So, um, but, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, his numbers are just, like, ridiculously sparkling. I think they said at some point during the game last night, they said Fleury over the last I don't know, seven games or whatever. He's got like a 946 save percentage, like a 1.47 goals against or whatever it is. You know, it's it's uh, heavy duty numbers. Um, don't fact check me on the actual <laughs> numbers. I will just say that. But like uh, they were definitely like sparkling numbers. So and like um, you mentioned with New York Islanders, like they've got almost like a 1A, 1B there. And mm-hmm. then, you know, if something were to happen to Mark Andre Fleury, they got Robin Lehner, who's playing, who's the backup right now, who was basically a big part of um, Vegas's uh, playoffs last year. So totally, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty much set. Like, yeah. uh, well, in- and he, even Montreal's got Jake Allen waiting in the wings who had a pretty solid season when, um, when, when price was hurt and everything, um, Allen played pretty well. And, uh, 
I guess the only guy who, like, I don't even know who Tampa's backup is. So if Tampa's, if Vasilevsky gets hurt, that could be trouble. Could be trouble. Um, I think gonna, Tampa's got a pretty strong team, though, that like, yeah. they would adapt. If the Jets, on the other hand, if they were to lose Hellebuck, I think it'd be. Yeah, know, that would be too the, much to. The floodgates would open. Exactly. Uh, is it Curtis McElhaney is Tampa's backup? Could sounds like that could be correct. And also, I just checked the score. Uh, Tampa Bay is up two to one uh, okay. right now, and Braden Point scored again. So I think that's six straight games for Braden Point to score a goal. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, but, Curtis uh, McElhaney's yeah. back. We we looks like uh, Dustin Bone Smith is uh, is waiting in the wings here. Uh, okay. We should probably throw to throw to this and. Uh, like like Tom mentioned, we had a great chat with Dustin there the other day. Learned some great things about some e-bug stories and also what he's got going on uh, with his with his uh, social media and YouTube stuff and all that all that uh, stuff that us old guys don't quite understand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, Dustin was a great chat and uh, and yeah, like I said, uh, yeah, some for, pretty cool e-bug stories for sure. And speaking of e-bugs. Um... You know, it made, it got me thinking about that song by past guest band The Zambonis. They wrote a song called E-Bug about David Ayers and his uh, magical journey with the Carolina Hurricanes. So I think, you know what, we already spinned that song a number of episodes ago when the Zambonis were on, but they're great guys. And uh, you know what, let's spin it again. Here's E-Bug by The Zambonis. Hi, my name is David. I'm a backup goalie. Yes, I have a day job. I drive a Zamboni. Goalies all went down. They told me to get dressed. 42 years old. Time to take a real test. Shots got by me at the end of two. Brendan Morse had had some fun. So I did, and then we won. And I'm a backup First game and my first win. A backup Now I'm retiring. Back in the mud. Girl. 
right. Thank you for joining us, Dustin. So we've got here with us Dustin Smith, Nashville e-bug, if you will. How are you today, Dustin? And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, man, doing all right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Right on. Um, so why don't we just like start with kind of a bit of your background about that? Like you're the you're the emergency backup goalie or e-bug as we've it's kind of a term that's come into the lexicon ever since David Ayers, I think maybe, but like, how did you end up being Nashville's e-bug? Yeah, I kind of fell into it. And I, I think talking to a bunch of emergency goalies, I've heard very similar stories. Um, you know, over the summers, I ended up skating with a lot of pro guys leading into training camp and during the lockout was a huge opportunity for me and a ton of goalies across the league, you know, guys just, working with the whole team basically. And, um, after that season, when the, the emergency goalie rule came into play, they gave me a call and asked me, Hey, do you want to be our emergency goalie? We got this new rule. And of course I was like, yeah, duh, I'm <laughs> sign me up for that. So yeah, I, I've been kind of doing that whole thing ever since, but you know, obviously this past year with COVID they had the taxi squad. So, um, haven't done any emergency goalie stuff, uh, this past season, but you know, hopefully, uh, things will get back to normal next season and, get back into it. I got, cool. So I got a bunch of e-bug questions for you. Cause this is pretty rad. So uh, yeah. first and foremost, has there ever been a time where like, did you play or have you ever been close to playing? Or like, suit, suited you know, up so, and are on the bench or. So the only two guys that have actually played is obviously um, David Ayers and then Scott Foster. I, I think it right, was the, the accountant for that. Yeah. So um, uh, the closest I got was getting dressed. I, I, got dressed for the Boston Bruins to go stick a puck to the throat. And I had to go downstairs and uh, I ended up putting his gear on. I didn't have my <laughs> gear with me yet. Cause the, the rule was still kind of new. And, you know, I just so happened to be at the game. And, um, you know, I was kind of joking with, you know, one of the guys in the office, like, Oh, you guys need me. I'm here by the way. And, and then I got a phone call first intermission. He's like, Hey, that thing we're joking about, we, we need you to come downstairs right now. And I'm like, Oh no way, man. All right, here we go. So uh, yeah, it's about as close as I've gotten so far. So you were dressed, but cool. like, were you sitting on the bench or are you still back, back in the room or what? No. So like at first it was, you know, complete chaos. Cause like I said, the rule was still pretty new. Nobody really knew what exactly to do. And, and they were like, look, we need you to get half dressed. You don't have to get fully dressed yet, but uh, you have to sit in the locker room. So I ended up, I ended up sitting in the, the hallway cause there was a TV out there and I was sitting there with some security guard, just, you know, <laughs> cracking jokes back and forth and, um, but yeah, hung out of the locker room the entire time, you know, entire team came through during intermission, you know, which was kind of, uh, quite the situation, you know, like yeah. just kind of sitting there and took his gear and you, all these guys are running around doing their thing, but it was, it was awesome. That's super cool. Um, have you, uh, I guess, yeah, for a little backstory or back history then. So you're based in Nashville. Is that where you were sort of born and raised? You grew up there or? Uh... Well, I, I was born in San Diego, but I moved here. I was like 10, 11 okay. years old, something like that. It was back so, in 2000. And um, that's really when I started playing hockey is when I moved so you, here. Okay. So you started in Nashville. Um, and yeah. uh, have you always been a goalie or or is that, uh, or did you? Did no, you... no, I, I kind of, so I, I started skating out. Um, I played defense, like growing up in San Diego, I like, you know, I loved rollerblading. So I started playing roller hockey and, um, you know, my roller hockey coach, he had two sons, the same age as me and my little brother. And we'd go over to his house all the time and play hockey. And, 
I always wanted to play goalie. Like that was always what I wanted to do. And he was, he was like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to play? We need a goalie this week. And I was like, yeah, sure. And just immediately fell in love with the position. He was like, you know what? I, I think you're a goalie. So, like, my parents <laughs> were like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. like, Great. You know, cause I had to get gear all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's obviously not as easy on parents, but uh, yeah, ever since then it's, that's, I just kind of fell in love with goaltending. Nice. And so prior to the bubble, like last year, um, so, so were you the, like the nightly e-bug? Like, does that, does that mean like you were on call? Like you didn't go to the games, but like you had, like, if there was a home game, you had to be available. Like you had a, you had, yeah, a, you had so, a pager kind of thing. <laughs> just <laughs> send it to my e-bug signal across the, across the cityscape. <laughs> and I appear magically. No. Um, so yeah, they, they gave me tickets to the games. We, um, we have four guys technically listed as emergency goalies here. And I've, I've heard other guys in other cities, they have up to like seven, eight or nine guys listed and they just kind of get calls. But, um, you know, here it's, it's ran by, uh, the goalie coach, Benny Vanderclock, and he'll send out a text to me and say, Hey, you know, what days are you available this month for all the home games? And I tell him all of them. And, um, <laughs> and then he, he says, okay, you know, one of the other guys wants to go to this game, you know, how do you feel like giving up that game? And, um, so, you know, I end up going to most of them, but yeah, some of them end up going to the other guys, but they give us two, uh, two tickets to the games. We park downstairs while the players park and keep all of our gear with us. And, um, you know, just kind of sit in our seats and see what happens. Yeah. Do you, do you hope that, you know, uh, <laughs> it's the goalie's going to get hurt or something's going to happen, you know, a bad like, uh, sushi roll in between no. periods or whatever? <laughs> or, or is it like, are you sitting there watching the game like, God, I hope that they don't call me up? Well, you know, like every every time I pack my bag before a game, like the thought crosses my mind, like, man, like this could be the night that something happens. And it's exciting. The last thing I want is anybody to get hurt, especially a goalie. Like, you know, growing up a huge goalie person, like I'm a huge goalie fan. So, yeah, like I said, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. The excitement of playing is is definitely there. But, you know, going to the games, I I kind of – I don't know, I guess forget about it until like a goalie gets ran into or like there's a situation like, oh, like that could have been it. Or, you know, the, those little reminders of like, you know what, I am here for a purpose. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's that's the e-bug life, man. Because <laughs> technically you could also go in net for the other team, right? Like you could be facing Nashville. Yeah. 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 So it's, you know, it's it's like a house goalie, you know what I mean? So. Um, just the same situation as David Ayers. He was, yeah. he was the Toronto emergency guy. He had to jump in for Carolina. You know, now he's crazy now story there with him. Building a statue of him in Carolina. I don't know <laughs> if they actually are, but they should. So. Uh, uh, well, former... you saw him at the, he was, you know, pumping the siren during That's intermission, right, yeah. uh, during one of the playoffs games. Yeah. <laughs> well, for, former guests, the Zambonis have a song called E-Bug. I don't know if you've ever heard that one before. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's and it's about. Is it really? Is that, of course. That's incredible. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. They're they're a uh, Connecticut-ish type band, I think. Uh, and yeah, like every song about hockey. And yeah, they uh, one of their more recent hits is uh, yeah, all about David Ayers. So. Who knows? You keep, jump on keep, that opportunity. keep e-bugging and they might write a song about you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. If anything, I, I just want a song written about me. <laughs> What's it um, like facing pro shooters? Like, cause you, I've, you've been exposed to that. Like that's gotta be wild. 
it's it's definitely different you know like you you can play with whatever skilled guy you 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 play with and you know there's definitely guys that are really good at playing but you know playing with pros they're all so um just fundamentally sound i mean like when a guy goes to shoot like just their mechanics are just so dialed in and then you add that extra level of deception and you know accuracy and power and you know every single guy in pro can shoot so hard. So, you know, usually after skating with them over the summers, you know, my hands are usually pretty beat up, from, <laughs> you know, putting my hand in the way, luckily it actually hit my glove, but yeah, man, they, they shoot so hard. Who's uh who's the best shooter that you've faced? Uh, I guess like would, that would play for Nashville or, or whoever. So. I mean, practicing with guys like Shea Weber obviously has the, the hardest shot. We So during the lockout, like, we were playing rebound game, you know, like, guy up top shoots. We we play the rebound out, but he took the first shot, and it hit me in the thigh. And, you know, like, usually it's just routine, whatever, like, hits me, I cover it, whatever. But, like, I felt the ripple of my leg come around to the back of my leg and clap, like, in the back. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I had never felt that before, that kind of impact from – I mean, he was just a wrist shot. He didn't even, you know, take a clapper or anything like yeah. that. But yeah, he's he's definitely got the hardest. And then guys like Philip Forsberg, he's so skilled that he's just so deceptive too. He'll he'll last minute throw a little flick at the end, and it's like, buddy, like, what are you doing? I thought you were shooting glove. It's going blocker. <laughs> like, yeah, what is even happening right now? That's pretty. Actually, amazing. I'm I'm surprised we haven't talked about this before. But um, you know, tell us about the rebound game. Like, what is that? And, and like, what goes on there? Cause it's basically the goalie versus like seven shooters or whatever. Right. Oh yeah. It's the goalie versus the world. And like I said, there's a shooter. He starts out with the puck. He's at the the hash marks usually. And um, he's looking to get a shot off and try to score. If, if the goalie gives up a rebound, they're playing out the rebounds. There's usually different rules. Like, you know, you only get one pass. Um, if it goes off the goalie, you get, you know, your pass back. So, um, and you got to shoot right away. So no, just standing there and like, you know, trying to fake the goalie out, but yeah, that's usually a big competition at the end of practices when there's, like you said, like seven shooters and one goalie, it's like, all right, well, let's play this rebound game real quick and, uh, you know, call it a day. <laughs> Who, uh, I guess. Okay. So sorry. Uh, what's the highest level of hockey played? So you started when you were 10 years old or whatever you said, and now you're the, uh, a Nashville e-bug. E um, what was your hockey journey along the way? Like, uh, did you just like, did you play high school or like, how did, how'd you end up sort of, or what, what does your path of hockey look like? Cause now you're saying you're playing now. Um, yeah. is it beer league or what do you, where, where are you at now? Yeah. I mean, definitely wasn't the most glamorous path by any means um you know like i said started playing roller hockey when i moved here got into ice hockey started playing for my high school but you know we had three goalies on our team while you know the whole time i was playing high school and um after high school i went and played uh college club and then after college club that you know just like every other you know path typically leads to beer league so yeah <laughs> um started jumping into beer league stuff but um you know connections i've made through the Nashville hockey community ended up kind of giving me an opportunity to skate with, you know, two or three pros here and there over the summers, you know, guys getting ready for training camp. And, and that's really kind of what led into the whole situation during the lockout. And uh, 
I think it was 2012, but yeah, like after point. that whole, I think it was like three months that I was skating with the, you know, basically the entire Preds team, like that totally pivoted, um, you know, my entire, I don't know if you can call it a career, but you know, this whole hockey journey that I've been on, you know, definitely yeah. pivoted from that, that moment. When did, did your move to Nashville kind of coincide with the Preds coming to town? Like, is that when, when they, uh, it was, arrived? it was kind of around the same time. I want to say it was like 98 when they moved here, 96, 98, something like that towards the end of, of 90. And, um, no. So my, my family just decided to move here. And, mm. um, you know, I, I got caught right in my childhood with the movie mighty ducks and, um, <laughs> you know, living in California and not, there weren't any rinks very close by and didn't really have an opportunity to play. And so, uh, when me and my family moved here to Nashville, there was a roller rink, um, you know, down the road from us. So me and my brother were like, yeah, let's go play hockey. Cause my parents were like, you guys are terrorizing the house. So you got to get out of here. Like <laughs> we got to get you guys doing something. So, um, got us into playing hockey and man, like ever since then it was, that was it. Tell, tell us a bit about like, you know, your social media presence. Uh, you know, you've got a pretty active Instagram and I see your YouTube is really kind of starting to take off a bit. So just like, what, what are you posting? What, what, what's, what's your goal and you know, what's going on there? Yeah, that, that's been a whole, um, you know, whole new hobby of mine starting off with the Instagram stuff. Like, you know, I just kind of decided like, oh, I'm just going to do like a hockey Instagram because I have, you know, a lot of fun, like hockey things to like kind of share that were very hockey specific. And, um, you know, that kind of took off and um, eventually led to, you know, trips with a uh, buddy of mine, Colby Collier, who who does MD Media. He does a lot of like YouTube stuff and he's ended up hooking me up with trips out to uh, to um we ended up going to Toronto first to visit Pavel Barber. You know, all of a sudden I'm skating with Pavel Barber and stuff like that. So, um, but you know, I'd always kind of toyed around with this idea of doing a YouTube of my own and, you know, doing all the research on how to film stuff and, you know, put videos together. It was just so overwhelming. And, you know, I was like, nah, yeah, it's too much. I don't want to do it. And then finally I was like, you know what, like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to jump into it, start doing it. Uh, it's been, it's been, almost a year now and man like i've been having so much fun just throwing these videos together and just you know like i said a whole new hobby and kind of brings a whole new life to to hockey too you know it's a it's a new perspective on the sport and you know makes it fun to go go to the rink and throw some cameras up and edit some videos together sure i have to ask you about pavel barber then um because i always feel bad for the goalies in his videos <laughs> you know he's over there doing what like i can't even describe what he's doing just whipping his stick around like a yeah. baton in a parade kind of thing and then <laughs> and the next thing you know the puck's in the net and the goalie's still like <laughs> so uh did you stop any of his shots uh, attempts and um does he, does he maybe uh, have the goalies play a little bit like uh, soft or what's his, what's his secret? Well, like going into it, I, you know, you watch the videos, you're like, Oh, the goalie's not even trying or like, Oh, like the, the really big ongoing joke is like, Oh, all they have to do is poke check, like oh, right. just poke check. <laughs> but you know, I, I knew the guy had skill and I knew it was going to be tough stopping him. And, um, you know, first thing that kind of shocked me was how nice he was. Like, I was like, wow, this guy's actually a really nice dude, like very genuine guy. But, 
the other thing that kind of shocked me was how much hard work he puts in into you know his skill like he works at it every day and there's a reason why he's so good at what he does but um yeah ended up going out there and made some pretty good saves but i will say (laughs) like you know after about an hour of just breakaway after break after breakaway you know you start kind of wearing down a bit and that's really when he kind of sinks his teeth in he starts pulling out (laughs) these crazy moves and it's like man i'm gassed but man like his moves really are sick like he really is like that skilled so um yeah, I mean, I, I'm hoping to go up there again at some point when the, the border finally opens up. And uh, I got a whole, you know, trip across Canada I want to do, basically. So hopefully I get another crack at uh, stopping him again, maybe throw a couple more poke checks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and what's your what's your plan for, like, the future of, of, you know, your online presence? Do you have, like, a goal in mind or things that you want to create or, you know, videos that you have, you know, that you still want to make or anything like that? Yeah, like, the the whole reason why I wanted to get into YouTube was to, you know, travel to other cities, visit with other emergency goalies and get their stories and stuff like that. You know, it, the whole the whole purpose is, you know, to kind of, you know, an opportunity to go meet these other people and, you know, explore the goalie community because it really is so like it's big it's it's a tight-knit community it's a bunch of really great people so um you know as far as like an end goal like I guess I don't really have like a specific end goal you know I'm just kind of having fun making videos learning new ways to do things and uh, you know like I said earlier like meeting some really awesome people What's the Nashville hockey scene like aside from say like the Preds and I'm, I'm sure like we've talked to some guys in California and stuff and uh, like the, the arrival of those teams like uh, San Jose and uh, Anaheim and whatnot have really helped the hockey community, like the grassroots level hockey in, in places like that. And like, I don't think of Nashville as a sort of traditional hockey market, you know, but you know, you see the fans at Preds games and for the last 10 years or whatever, the rink is usually pretty much full and uh, it seems like people are pretty into it. What's, what would the grassroots level of hockey be like in Nashville? Like, are, are there a lot of minor leagues uh, like, kids playing and stuff like that like is there is there a, a an assortment of beer leagues to choose from or like oh, how yeah, would you yeah. sort of yeah uh, the Preds have done a really good job of you know establishing like you know at the grassroots level um especially after that cup run you know they had that really big cup run they, they went to the cup final and, and hockey absolutely exploded in Nashville and you know it seemed like everyone who could find a pair of skates wanted to play hockey and you know, the men's leagues really took off, you know, they were already getting very popular, but you know, all of a sudden, like I said, anybody who could go get a pair of skates wanted to play men's league. And, um, you know, all these kids were showing up to stick and pucks that weren't there before all of a sudden Mm. they're crowded. And, um, the, the youth level of hockey here has escalated like crazy. Um, you know, it's definitely boomed. We just put in a new rink. I think going on four years now something like that and and we needed it you know four years prior to that you know we're (laughs) at the point where we're putting up uh there's another rink going up right now it should be done here i think they're saying by the end of summer or even here in the next couple months something like that so 
Yeah, hockey's been absolutely booming. And um, like you said, you wouldn't really expect Nashville to be, you know, kind of a hockey hotbed by any means. But it's, like I said, man, it's it's been growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. With you in Nashville and Tom and I here in Winnipeg, uh, we have to talk about, obviously, the Jets and Predators had a pretty decent rivalry there for a couple of <laughs> years. So being, yeah. being on that side of, of the line, uh, what was your view of the Winnipeg Jets uh, during, you know, 2017 2018 in there it, every time we played the jets it was like oh man here we go the jets again man like <laughs> because it you know it did kind of develop into a, a bit of a rivalry you know the jets were so hard to you know they're still hard to compete with you know the 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 jets preds games are games that i like to watch um you know not even just because you know i like watching hellebuck play you know he's definitely a top tier goalie and a a great goalie to watch and learn from, but you know, both teams go head to head, man. Like it seems to be so back and forth. So um, yeah, especially, you know, in that year, it seemed like we just had a hard time with Winnipeg, man. It was like, like I said, like, Oh no, like we're playing Winnipeg again. (laughs) Jeez. It was pretty much one of the most epic series that 2018 seven game series between the Jets and Preds to, so I guess that would have been like the central division showdown or whatever. Right. And mm-hmm. I went to, uh, I went to one of the games. I don't remember which game it was, but the Jets ended up winning something like seven, four, but they were down like four, nothing after <laughs> the first period or whatever it was. I forget how exactly it played out, but that was maybe the most exciting hockey game I've ever seen in, in person for sure. Like that was wild. And that season, like Nashville won the president's trophy uh, first overall in the league and jets were one point behind them and you know both teams being from the central so mm-hmm. you know it was just like again from our point of point of view uh, it was like you knew every single game against nashville was going to be a tough one uh that game you know that seven game series like i you know it could have went either way you know like it just nashville uh, you know they just for years, they had uh, such a solid team, always really good D and good goaltending. Uh, you know, with the way the NHL season went this year, uh, I didn't see a ton of Nashville games. And, uh, you know, obviously their, their uh, playoff, playoffs ended kind of quick, kind of quickly. Just what mm-hmm. was the season like for the Preds? It seemed like it was pretty rough, especially to start. Um, you know, with the addition of John Hines, the new coach, um, it seemed like he was still kind of establishing his his style and guys were still getting familiar with his style. But it seemed like the last half of the season, everything started clicking. You know, they were all falling in line. You know, the John Hines style was kind of being a little more established. And, and then they started, you know, just running with it and – I don't know if you know who Cascasuo is, but he was uh, the taxi squad goalie. You know, he would always say all oh, the pesky Preds, the pesky Preds. And that's, that's kind of the identity that they had, you know, they, they just became a pesky team to play and um, just kind of started clicking right there at the end of the season. Yeah. And he's got a YouTube channel. Hey, like, is he, is he, uh, you know, infringing on your territory or what's going on there <laughs> no no way i think if anything i'm infringing on him he's okay <laughs> he's been doing a great job with his stuff though man like you know getting that that inside perspective on you know the bubble when he was doing his vlogs on the bubble and you know the whole perspective on taxi squad and you know what that whole lifestyle is like and i i think now he's gonna go play overseas next season so you know it'll be cool to see what what life is like in uh in 
from that perspective. Yeah, Nashville was one of the hottest teams in the last half of the season there because they they were they were sitting on the outside looking in at a playoff picture, and then they they went on a real heater, one of the better teams in the whole league. And yeah, I guess uh, they kind of met their match in the playoffs there. But like, as far as their goaltending picture goes, you got Pekka Rene, the old guard, and Juicy Saros, the the young fella, or younger fella. I don't really actually even know how old he is. But but like, uh, I'll, I'll ask your opinion. Do you think Rene? Do you think he's done? Is has he got another year in him, or what's his? Uh, and and is Saros kind of ready to to take over the team? Watching Saros that last half of the season and just he he definitely came into his own over this last year as you know he had already been developing so well and and you know coming into his home already but the last half of the season he just kind of took charge and it was I was impressed with how well he played and and he was really settling in Pekka like the guy has so much compete in him I I would like to say that as long as he's still able to play and, and, you know, teams are going to let him play. He's going to continue to play. Yeah. But that being said, I know Nashville has been his home. He hasn't played anywhere other than Nashville. So, um, I don't know. I, I think, um, you know, like he kind of left it. He said, you know, I'm not really sure what I'm doing yet. Um, you know, he's just going to play it by ear. So yeah. I guess all we can really do is wait and see what happens. For sure. Kind of gets like that for NHLers as they, as they sort of, age out a little bit you know it's like they probably still want to go and still do it and sometimes it's the body that has to tell them that they can't you know and they can't go out on their own terms and uh sometimes yeah there's it's hard to get a job right there's only oh yeah there's uh 31 teams soon to be 32 two goalies a team you know there's only so many jobs so yeah i I think we're gonna see kind of a a huge changing of the guard across the league because I mean, even guys like Tuka Rask, Braden Holtby, you know, Lundqvist is still expected to come back. Even guys like Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, a lot of these guys have been in the league for a long time now. And there's a lot of younger guys that are just itching to get their, their in and, and, you know, they're more than ready to take advantage of that opportunity. So I don't know. It's, it'll be kind of exciting to see, you know, what happens over the next few years just with goaltending alone. Do you, do you have a favorite young goalie in the NHL these days that you really like to watch? An up and coming? Not, not really. I've been I've been so focused on watching uh, Flurry and and uh, Carey Price. I mean, just watching that game last night, I was like, I have to sit down and watch this game, man, because that's just like the goaltending duel of the century. And and <laughs> in my opinion, because I absolutely love Flurry and I love watching Carey Price, so. Um, as far as young guys, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, of course you see, like, I want to see him do well. He's, he's been so fun to like watch play and watch kind of grow and develop. So, I mean, yeah, I, I really hope he does well. I got one more question for you and then I'll let Tom do his little, uh, PSA for Canadian heritage moments. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, how about when you were growing up, like as a teenager, like, was there, who were, who were the goalies that were maybe like the posters on your wall or, or the guys that you were watching a lot, like, you were trying to emulate or, you know, kind of, you know, follow what they did. Yeah. Well, growing up, it was Dominic Hasek. I got caught right in that, you know, right in that era where I was getting excited about goaltending and really getting into it and watching Dominic Hasek play was like, I wanted to be him so bad. I, I refused to get 
like a regular goalie mask because I wanted to have like the Hashi kind of helmet until my dad was finally like, look, like you're going to have to wear a mask now because you're getting older and kids are shooting harder and you know, we need you to wear a mask. And it was like, all right, fine. I guess I'll, <laughs> guess I'll take the player helmet off. And yeah. You didn't grow up in communist Czech Republic. So <laughs> yeah, we have right. masks. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's funny now, now that I'm older and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get my own Hashik mask. So, you know, I, I've got some, got a handful of old, um, you know, kind of old school Cooper goalie helmets laying around that I use every once in a while. Yeah. That stuff's awesome. You've been rocking that kind of classic gear in, in some photos and videos lately. It's all, that's cool to see. Yeah, that's that's a whole other, you know, kind of hobby I've picked up over the last few years. Just I'm I'm getting a, a face mask built right now. So I'm really excited about that. I'll I'll end up probably doing a, a whole video on just the mask alone and everything. So yeah, like that's a that's a whole other chapter of goaltending for me. Yeah, gear collection. I know, you know, with a couple of goalies that I know they're one in particular, he's got just like more, way more gear than he could ever uh, reasonably account for. And it's just like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a problem, but it's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So we're pretty much, uh, we're running out of time here, uh, Dustin, but we got to touch on uh, the Canadian heritage moments, of course. So, um, Canadian heritage moments dating back to, I'd say the early nineties, Randy, would you say that's pretty much kind of the seems about right. Yeah. 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 So they're, they're basically like one minute vignettes of um, some historical sort of uh, like happening or kind of like there's like, for example, like uh, insulin was invented by doctors Banting and Best at the U of T. How do I know that? Heritage moment. Um, <laughs> like, I did not know that. Yeah, no, exactly. Know. Um, you know, there's like a lot of little facts like that, that we Canadians our age sort of seem to know. And it's all based on um, these heritage moments. And of course, Canada being Canada, we've got tons of hockey ones too, right? So like the of course. one of the very fit, most famous ones would be um, the Rocket Richard one the, the about the riots. Um, and then he's like moving a couch up some stairs and he hurts his shoulder because his brother lets go of the couch. And then he gets the call that he's got to play that night and whatever. Still scores goals that night and everything. Yeah. I think he had a six-point night or something like that. And, yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, some other some other hockey ones. Um, there's oh, the, the – Terry, Terry Sawchuck when he – Yeah, uh, the Terry Sawchuck the, uh, oh. and, and Jacques Plante. Oh yeah, that's the one, Jacques Plant with Jacques the – with the mask. Where he wears the mask, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, getting – you know, takes a shot off the face – and the reporters there, like trying to be like, oh, is he is he all right? Is he gonna play or whatever? And the doc's like sewing him up, and then it's just like he's back out there and just. Those are awesome stuff. though. Yeah, and, and the so one the, the one that you guys posted the other day, like it was filmed so well, and like yeah, I, I want to say the you know the guy giving the speech was the guy from Letterkenny, right? It, it certainly was. Yeah, so that's one of the newer ones that. So they kind of like went into a little dormant there for i don't know five ten years or whatever and then they started making them again and that was one of the very first ones that they made when they started making them again and it's about the winnipeg falcons the team that went on to represent canada in the 1920 olympic series 
Um, and they went over there and won gold. It was Canada's first gold in hockey at the Olympics or whatever. When you go to the to the Jets rink downtown here, you know, there's like a whole Falcons uh, sort of section and one of the little bars, you know, on the concourse and stuff. And um, yeah, so the that was filmed. Sergeant Avenue is is a sort of a main street in the west end of the city here. And Winnipeg or the area has a historically high or large uh, Icelandic immigrant population. Um, so a lot of the guys' last names are like Vixen and whatever. Like, and so th- <laughs> that that ad, the that his uh, historic moment or whatever. Yeah, it's the guy from Letterkenny whose name is totally escaping me right now. Jared Kiso. Yeah, yeah. And so he also isn't there. The, he was is, he was Don Cherry in the Don Cherry movie. That's right. So yeah. if you no, haven't there's seen there's a it, Don Cherry movie. What? Oh, it's yeah. amazing. It's a two part it film. Oh my God. It's amazing. Yeah. On CBC, and, CBC made it. So that's why it probably didn't get too far in the States. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Letter Kenny Guy. Yeah. Say his name again. <laughs> J- Jared Kiso. <laughs> Jared Kiso. He plays Don Cherry and does a great job. It's so amazing. Oh, it's bet. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that, yeah, the, the production on that ad is amazing. And right. it almost, it kind of reminds me a lot of the, they made a movie called The Rocket with, yeah. um, I don't know if you've movie. seen that one. I have, that, yeah. That uh, was done very well. Roy yeah. Dupuy. Roy Dupuy played yeah. uh, Maurice Richard. That's right, yeah. And that, they did a great job of that. And I, I, I think the production is very similar. Anyway, it's, it's really good. And if, so... For your sake, Dustin, and for the listeners out there, I think you can go to historicacanada.ca or go to YouTube and type in Historica Canada. And there's a playlist of like all of the um, heritage moments. Um, Or you can come over to my house. I got a DVD with all of them on there. (laughs) Best Christmas present ever. (laughs) Yeah, Dustin, when you do your your tour across Canada here, we'll uh, we'll pop into Tommy's house and throw that on the DVD player. Yeah, uh, the DVD. Yeah, Yeah, I got a great ODR just down the street. We'll go hit that up. We'll come back for hot cocoa and heritage minutes. (laughs) Yeah, count me in. Absolutely. (laughs) So right and on. yeah, Dustin. Before we let you go, and uh, Tom will sign us off here. But uh, just let us let let us know and let the listeners know where where they can find you online. Yeah, so you you guys can find me on Instagram at uh, dembones underscore dembones, and then I have my YouTube channel called Bonesy TV. And uh, yeah, just having a ton of fun all over both of those platforms. Right on, right on. So yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, to the listeners out there, keep your stick on the ice, both hands on your stick, get pucks in deep, quick shifts, and don't forget to check your lie. All right, here's Boilermaker by Royal Blood, and we'll see you next time.